Hello, smart community friends, and hello to our listeners in Brussels. You are amongst the month's top cities for episode downloads, so welcome. I'm back with another bonus episode of the Smart Community Podcast, sharing various guests' answers to the question, where to next for smart cities and communities? And this time, I'm sharing with you the answers from these guests. Chelsea Collier from episode 280, Hannah Beter from episode 281, Greg Lindsay from 282, Dustin Hazler from episode 283, and finally, Jennifer Sanders from episode 284. Some themes that come through in the guest answers are around inclusivity, knowledge sharing, better definitions and frameworks in smart communities and talent retention. Putting people at the forefront of smart communities really highlights the needs of the people and how we can do things better. Making communities more inclusive, accessible and sharing knowledge will help shift and change our smart communities to more human-centred and holistic environments. We also need to have the ability to see things differently in order to build better solutions and not miss any opportunities. As Chelsea Collier says, when we get to end in mind focus, we miss the opportunity for the magic. As always, we hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed baking it. Welcome to the smart community, smart regions, smart towns, and smart cities. It's where we live, work, and play with smart communities. The future starts today. Big data, smart mobility, emerging trends galore. The Smart Community Podcast is what you're looking for. Where to next for smart cities and communities? Yeah, I think it's seeing things differently and having a more informed conversation. My hope for the future, and I think we're capable of it, is that it should be in a short amount of time, very obvious if we're not being inclusive in our smart city design. And when that is obvious, it is up to all of us to use our voices to speak up about it and encourage people to open the doors a bit wider. I don't think that anyone, I don't want to say anyone, I don't think that most people are intentionally exclusive. I think that they are busy and that they're focused on an end goal. But sometimes when we get overly focused, we can miss some of the biggest opportunities. So I hope that we do a better job of that. And I think smart cities will be better for it. Mm, And it goes back to I think something you were saying earlier about creative thinking time, like I think, and I was, I've had a number of conversations on this recently. So thanks for bringing it up. I think it's not necessarily that anyone has the most amazing idea and then it gets into action. It's the amount of time that people have to actually focus in and see if that idea is real or not, or can develop that over time. So the quality of the work isn't necessarily a direct correlation to the first point of the idea and the smartness of that person, the intelligence of the person, it's directly correlated to the amount of time that you can actually spend focusing on it, right? And I think that's really uh, key and inclusivity is a very important part of that and is directly related to that as well. Yeah. Well, and just giving permission that we all do it. I mean, I catch myself doing this all the time where Somebody has a really cool idea and I'm like, gosh, can we just wrap this up and put a bow on it? And then I catch myself and I step back and I listen differently. I'm like, 
Dang, that is a really cool idea. And what if we could make it work? Okay, let's kind of reconfigure this and see if we can do this. And it ends up being so much more brilliant. But when we just get kind of too end in mind focused, we we miss the opportunity for the magic. Mm, agreed. Now, where to next for smart cities and communities? I think that people are more receptive to solutions like this, you know, to seeking answers to their problems and not sitting in the discomfort when there are solutions available. So I hope that the future for smart communities is just more proliferation and more accessibility for people who need solutions to their problems. Similarly to the whole finding purpose in your job thing, we were also really limited in the sort of areas we could span during the time that we were working at home. People were reconnecting with their local community in a way they haven't before. So I think uh, people care and people care more now. And so I'm hoping that there will be an increase in local projects and knowledge sharing and learning from one another. Yeah, I think that's really a good point too, because I was thinking about it when I was like during COVID, it was definitely, I had this global community. And so we had, you know, these Zoom calls and and whatever else. But then at the same time, I had this local community and I was connected. There were different kind of connections, but I was connected to both. And we realized that you don't have to have one or the other. You can have both simultaneously. And yeah, I didn't realize like how much time I didn't spend in my house before, you know, (laughs) and then, then when it's here all the time or you're here in the house, the house remains. Yeah, you, you shift and change things. Mine wasn't too bad. I, I fortunately had a set up because I had to podcast here uh, before and I did work from home before. But yeah, you realize you spend, yeah, how much time you didn't spend in your house before and then the things that you care about because you're spending more time in the house and things that you miss when you're not in the house, like this painting, this painting behind me or whatever. I'm like, oh, that's right. I've curated this space for me, this physical space for me. But yeah, I don't know. It was just, yeah, again, these small things that you don't really ever have to think about until you do. And, you know, what are you going to do with that? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Where to next for smart cities and communities? Oh, man. Well, you know, again, it was sort of like two, at least two paths, right? Again, like I said, you know, the continuing inequality where, you know, they end up in sort of not fortified compounds per se, but, you know, it's sort of in the sense of fortified where like, you know, that data is collected, it's in fewer and fewer hands. Uh, it is in sort of form of prestige real estate, or it's in the hands of, of serving a privileged few. You know, there's a whole vision. For example, I, I wrote in a recent piece about 15 minute delivery. Like it presages the idea that the elites stay at home all the time in remote work and remote workouts, and things are brought to them, and they're sort of splendid isolation, which to me is an- antithetical to what cities should be—just publicness. Um, or there's one where, yeah, where the technology finds ways to connect us in loose ways that preserve that sort of privacy and anonymity of the city. I think social media has driven us all insane as a society. We have too much access to too many opinions at one time. So how do we create pieces loosely joined that, to your point, like, you know, illuminate the city to us that allow us to connect with in various ways with various services. So I know, but that points to, you know, enhancing the public sphere and investing in the public realm. And that's ultimately a political project as well, that like we choose to invest in resources for everyone, not just the hands of the British view. Where to next for smart cities and communities? Yeah, I mean, I think this is where we have to have some frameworks for smart cities. I mean, we've got, you know, standards that have been created, some international standards bodies that have been stood up, you know, uh, but I think we really have to start to build actionable frameworks on how to actually architect a smart city and what that really looks like. I think we have to get into kind of defining things as well. 
I think that's part of the challenge that is inherent with smart cities. I mean, I see cities across the country that are like, oh yeah, we got a smart cities council and we got this you know, resolution that we've passed to be a smart city. But at the end of the day, that means lots of different things to lots of different people. And so I think what's next is to really start to get better at the definition side of things, to get better at frameworks that are architected collectively by the industry and by government together, and uh, and to start to really experiment with it. I mean, a smart city uh, isn't just building something in the middle of nowhere and having some type of amazing return on it. It's something that retrofits what you already have, right? And I think we have to get better at figuring out how to do that in a scalable way that protects everything that we've already talked about, right? So so I'm really excited about, I think, some of the conversations that are happening. I do sense kind of a changing tide when it comes to the level of complexity that we're willing to tackle now. It's like, first, we started with like citizen engagement and some of the things that were very important, but they were nice to have. And now we're starting to look at some of the underlying things that are far more complex, far more difficult to tackle, really are multiple kind of electoral cycle changes that have to be put in place. And it's exciting to see people willing to step up to do that. I think we have to deal with workforce challenges. So I think that's one of the big things with smart cities is that we have a a shortage. And it wasn't the pandemic, you know, in this great resignation that they're talking about, but people weren't applying for government jobs prior to the pandemic. We actually saw a widening gap. The need for new positions in government was increasing But almost at the same parallel, it was exponentially decreasing the number of applicants that agencies were getting. So people were already not applying for jobs. And so we have to start to find ways to solve that. And it doesn't mean that you have to just pay more, but I think we have to rethink talent in government. And we have to rethink even like managed services and shared services, right? Like back when I was in government, you'd have counties or larger agencies that would buy all of this expensive infrastructure and they put it in and then they would basically sell you capacity if you were a smaller city. And so you were able to have a big data center, but you didn't have to put it all in and bear the burden. What if we did the same thing with people, right? You know, there's 19,000 cities, each one's not going to have a CIO or a CISO. What if we did some shared positions where we're able to kind of take talent and spread the love and the capabilities and the expertise? So I think what's next for smart cities is more people-centric. How do we start to operationalize them how do we deal with some of the people challenges of the workforce skill set disconnect, the lack of available people that are coming into the workforce to fill it? And how do we do it in a creative, kind of innovative way? And the answer is not flexible work, work from home, salary. Those are important, but I don't think that those are the only things that we should be looking to when it comes to tackling these. You know, this is a very different era that's going to require very different solutions. Yeah, I totally agree. And for me, the smart community concept, a key component or a key outcome is talent retention. And it works to solve some of that. Or if we don't, more on the flip side, if we don't take this approach, then we won't be able to encourage people to work in government, particularly where they see that processes aren't run efficiently, that they're going to be spending most of their day doing things that they don't see as important, like filling out paperwork or whatever the case is, right? So if we can start to make things more efficient, more effective, and essentially like exciting, then we can encourage people to come in. And also if the culture's there, that they know that they can bring new ideas in, particularly when maybe they're just out of uni or or not even uni, but, you know, tech, maybe they came from a different from school even, like starting straight in. I think that will be really interesting because if we don't do that, then, and the same stories float around that, you know, you go to government when you, you know, and things, this is how it's always been, right? This is how it's always done. And obviously completely different in each different country as well. But that's the story, you know, oh, you work for government, it's 
and I just it doesn't have to be like that and and I know that's a very big statement to make and kind of naively or just off the cuff but I think this will continue to shift and change that and I think particularly when we're talking about things that maybe not everyone finds super interesting maybe like roads and potholes and whatever else but if you can use new technologies in there, if you can use data to make better decisions and you can really see things shifting and changing, it makes it exciting. And I think there's so many things we can do in that space. And it doesn't really matter necessarily where you fit in that supply chain. Like you, maybe you're the person out on the ground doing things, but maybe you have an idea that you could bring to your manager or whoever it is or an innovation officer. And then, you know, you can shift things. It really, I guess, helps with that job satisfaction and those type of things as well that you can actually make a difference. And whether that's small or large, like I think we underestimate that, that I guess bringing an idea and seeing it come to life no matter what it is. And those things then shift to bigger things, bigger changes as a catalyst. And so I think that will be like that's where to next. And, and I think you're right. And I think that's another trend, right, that's happening or another emerging thing that we need to keep an eye on and keep our finger on the pulse with. Because if we miss this chance, then we will have this really, I guess, this deficit of talent in the government. And that will be such a shame. And it will be a crisis, right? We have to actually do something really real about it. Absolutely. Where to next for smart cities and communities? I think we've been on the right track the last several years as we've moved more, you know, more toward holistic and people centric, right? So I think we're going to continue to see that and and heavier involvement and more voices, you know, in the conversation from, you know, from the the citizen to the city council, you know, as we talk about it. But so I I really think we're going to continue to see continued intentionality and how communities get smart and really empowering residents at the at the hyper local level. So. And I know last time I talked a lot about loving to have kids at the table, right? But I think as we're continuing to empower them, here's how you can make change in your communities. Here's how you can share what you're seeing and what you're feeling and teaching them to be civically engaged and really having an understanding of how their voices do matter as early as possible. So I think it's just going to continue to move toward a a holistic human-centered approach. And hopefully we find new tools along the way that we can safely and effectively used to get there faster. Mm, Yeah, and I think engaging kids at the early stage is so important. I've been talking to my good friend, Jonathan Reichenthal, and he's got a couple of books out for kids now. But what else can we do? I think it's a great start, and I'm reading one to my, my nephew at the moment. But then, yeah, what else do we do? And making it fun as well is, is really important. It's not, I think, you know, some of the greatest things we can get out is, you know, when it's fun and, and play and people are really engaged and then actually asking those questions. But again, like you said, it's just, it's not just the answer, it's the process. What are we understanding the, pro- not even understanding, going through the process. It's like when you're learning to learn, the process is just as important as the outcome. So I think that's also really key when we engage people and, uh, kids, sorry, and, and then different types of people as well. We're, we're, I guess, they're learning how important their voices are and how they can build their communities and create their communities uh, of the future. And, and I think that's so key and going to be key as we move forward and as we, you know, people are realising now they can use their voice, right? We've seen it with technology, with social media, and, and they're able to be themselves, right? And, and that's still building and growing. And I think we'll see some really interesting things come out of that as we move forward and how we, what we want our communities to look like in the future. A hundred percent. 
And so much of it, I think, internal to government, right, is is muscle memory, right? And and so I think, you know, change is so uncomfortable. And a gentleman in California often talks about the importance of change management and how he brought that in first, brought in consultants, brought in trainings. And at first, there was a thought of why this we're talking about, you know, smart cities, or we're talking about whatnot, and, and really understanding that culture shift first and that that trust in the process. And we're helping Dallas County develop a blueprint right now. We're calling it the Smart County Blueprint in terms of how do they operationally need to look at project planning? How do they set criteria? How do they ensure multiple departments and multiple levels within that department are in the room? So what does it look like in terms of interjecting these new kind of philosophical lenses in to make sure that you're doing the best, most valuable money time and outcome wise as possible? But so much of it is that process of change and how you get there. So it's exciting time though. Yeah, we'll get like I found the same working with governments here for sure. Like it's that change management is so important. And even projects that may not seem smart city in inverted commas, they are because it's about data integration and system integration, that type of thing. But actually it's about people and process and how that's going to change and how we build that trust and, and also, yeah, shift the culture to empower people to put their hand up and say, oh, I think we could do this better and I've got this idea or someone else has this idea and or maybe it's across the department over there does it like this, maybe we could try that, etc. So I found exactly the same and I think it's so important and can sometimes get overlooked at the very beginning of a project because we just want to talk about, oh, what, what technology can we put in? But the conversation is maturing a lot and I have found that, yeah, even on the government side, that's the conversations we're having now. It's like, okay, we realise this is about change, but what do we need to do to bring our people along the journey as well? Are you looking for an engaging speaker, MC or facilitator for your next big event? Then we've got you covered. Zoe is a go-to speaker, MC, and conversation facilitator with a difference. She's a master at simplifying the complex and making connections you might never see. Book Zoe for your next event. Email hello at mysmart.community or head over to her speaker page, www.mysmart.community forward slash speaking. Thanks so much for listening to the Smart Community Podcast. Show notes for this episode and all other episodes are available on our website, mysmart.community slash podcast. If you have any questions for us or any of our guests, you can email hello at mysmart.community. You can also find us on the socials. We are on LinkedIn and Twitter at smartcomhq. That's com with two M's. If you are enjoying the podcast, please hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we would love for you to leave us a rating and review at wherever you listen. This really helps us reach more ears and eyes. So thank you for your support. As always, we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Community Podcast is what you're looking for.